I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. I've had enough of Michael If Gove. you count the legal votes, I easily win. It's time to take the bricks down. This candle smells like my vagina. It's supposed to be I shouldn't be up here. What I should be back in the school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to episode three of my podcast, where each week I'm going to be asking, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Now this week, senior doctors have announced that they are considering stopping paid and unpaid overtime in protest at the 1% pay deal that they've been offered. The inconsiderate selfish pigs. They're threatening to stop coming in on their days off and working for nothing. Have you ever known such greed? For two months, we went out once a week to clap them and they're still not happy. And for cabinet ministers, that was even more of a sacrifice than for most people because they live in bigger houses with huge, heavy front doors and long gravelly paths. So they had to put more effort into their clapping Paying doctors with applause is fair enough as long as the economy changes so that applause is currency. And in Tesco's, they go, that will be £39.57, please. Or nine minutes banging a saucepan with a wooden spoon. All right, here you are. Thank you very much. Here's your change. My sources tell me that the government have been very reasonable in the negotiations. They've offered a 20% increase in clapping with whistles on a Wednesday and up to a dozen people shouting, Go on, my son! And then a minister will say, Furthermore, to assist in the clapping, we're going to provide the public with giant gloves that make even more noise. That is how much we care. And as it happens, my brother-in-law runs a company that makes giant gloves. Uh, Normally it's a a tanning salon, but it's much the same thing. So we've given him a contract for four billion pounds. Now the government doesn't appear to be backing down, which is probably because they think if someone isn't earning enough, they should do what decent people do and start shagging a mistress and put them on the payroll. So doctors should get their partner on the side a job in the hospital for £2,000 a day, maybe as hairstyle consultant to heart surgeons, or with a £300,000 grant to develop an x-ray machine that takes colour pictures instead of those boring black and white ones. So it's not surprising the government isn't backing down to this blackmail, because the cabinet understands if you're short of cash, instead of whinging, you should do the ethical thing and award a contract to someone in your family for providing equipment. You didn't catch Matt Hancock or his mates complaining about money because Matt took the initiative and handed a contract to the bloke who ran the pub he used to go in. And that's what these doctors should do. Then you'll go in to have your kidney stones removed and be told by the surgeon, uh, I don't know anything about surgery. (laughs) I'll tell you what I'll do, though. I'll run the fisherman's arms. Now, let's see if we can whack these out with a cricket bat. The government must be furious with the greed of hospital staff at this delicate time because everyone else has had to go without this last year with even the Prime Minister making sacrifices by only buying essentials such as wallpaper for £840 a roll. But instead of being grateful, doctors are having a vote on whether to stop doing this 
paid and unpaid overtime. Now, some of us might ask if it's a worry that the health service seems to depend on unpaid overtime, but I'm sure it's all right that when we're having our appendix out, it's being done by someone who's already done an 80 hour week and has been asked to pop in for an extra morning for no money, the way you might ask a neighbour to feed your fish while you're away for the weekend. So surgeons are going, oh, blimey. Oh, hang on. Oh, Christ, I've drifted off there for a minute. Oh, God, what have I done with that liver? If not doing unpaid overtime counts as being on strike, then any time they're not working means they're striking. You'll get phoning hosts going, I've heard there are some doctors who don't take out a single appendix while they're asleep in bed or having a shit. They're holding the country to ransom. No wonder over a hundred thousand have died. But maybe this is the way to sort out the pay deal. They should still be offered a 1% rise for the work they do that's paid, but for the work they do where they get nothing, they can have a 50% rise plus a 20% bonus at Christmas. Surely they'll accept that, the greedy pigs. Now, to help us explain what the fuck is going on, you will know her from Mock the Week and many other millions of things, it is my enormous pleasure to introduce Angela Barnes. Hello! Now, this is something I noticed quite a lot of people are quite animated about this. Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos, your Amazon man, are both going into space and they've been sort of racing each other to get there. And now Richard Branson's going to go a week before the other one or something. <laughs> and there are plenty of people who have put the point that billions and billions of pounds spent in this way with all the other things going on in the world is probably not the best way to spend all that money if you look around the world. I don't agree. I think that as long as the control people at the Space Centre say to Branson once he's out into space, yeah, Richard, we've looked at your ticket, mate. Yeah, it's off peak. It's <laughs> off peak now, mate, so you can't come back till 2058. <laughs> We're going to have to leave you up there by a fucking comet. <laughs> Andrew, this is the sort of thing that you would follow this sort of story. And oh, yeah. being a big fan of both Amazon bosses and Richard Branson, <laughs> I would imagine that you're very excited about which one of them gets to space first. Well, I mean, the whole thing with this sort of private space travel I find interesting because what I, the one thing I know about privatisation of any sort of transport is they might be going up there on a rocket but they're coming back on a replacement bus there's no doubt about that I'm more frightened about the Ryanair space flights that'll be our future won't it you want a trip to the moon but you have to go via Mars <laughs> I do think, though, with Branson to a certain extent, and definitely with Elon Musk, with them, I feel like they do really want to conquer space. Whereas Jeff Bezos, I just think he just wants to set up a tax haven on Saturn. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It feels different, Amazon, somehow, going yes, to space. Yes, even worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah, doesn't yeah. feel very spacey, does it, Amazon? Like It's like hearing that Asda's going to the moon. It's a bit... <laughs> oh, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, when Asda and Lidl are doing trips. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but it's such a shame that it's these twats. Well, they're, they're, I mean, I've got I've got a problem with billionaires anyway. I mean, if you're just doing space flights for fun, you've got too much money. And I've got a theory, right, with billionaires. Here's my thing. I think that after you get a certain amount of money, let's say a billion, right? Yeah. You can keep it, but you have to keep it in your house in pound coins like the hoarder you are. <laughs> 
You know, because that's all you are. You're you're accumulating money you can never spend. You're a hoarder. You need to live like one. My granddad kept accumulating tins of dog food for a dog he didn't have. They put him in a home. You know, Bill Gates keeps getting this money and he's a hero. It's nonsense. <laughs> I love it when the, when it was was it Bernie Sanders? I think it was Bernie Sanders who said that no one should be a billionaire. And of course, they were, what's the point then of working if you're going to take away the incentive? Because all, if all you could have once you've set up a business is nine hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine million pounds and ninety nine pence, and that's the most you're allowed to have. There's no point in starting up a business. It's just so mental. You just don't... No one needs that. Yeah, if you've got £900 million, what can you not get? What do they go... We're just a bit sure. I was really hoping to buy a planet. Well, this is... exact. That's exactly what they want, though. That's what we're seeing, isn't it, now? It's like, well, now I've got my billion, I can get to space and start colonising that. Yes. All right, we're largely speaking in agreement on that, then. We're Mm. against that. Now, Shikari Richardson, sprinter. A sprinter has been banned from competing in the 100 metres in the forthcoming Tokyo Olympics. And she's a very prominent sprinter. She's not just sort of, it's not like if I was banned from sprinting in the Olympics, which might not affect the records too much. She's been banned for taking drugs, but it was weed for the 100 metres. It blows my mind. Like the only performance that Maran has ever improved is possibly how quickly you can get to the all-night garage for Kit Kats when you're really desperate. <laughs> it's insane. There's no way... Ma- but this has always been the case with, with drugs bans because I know, obviously, there are performance-enhancing drugs and then there are drugs that is just classed as, you know, substance misuse and against the sort of spirit of sport. Yeah, yeah. Or so when Frankie yes. Dettori got banned for doing cocaine and you're like, surely... In horse racing, you want to be drugging the horse. (laughs) Doesn't make any difference what the prick on your back's taken, does it? (laughs) Maybe the answer is they're all on drugs. What you do at the start of any race or any event is you just have a big bag of drugs and then it's just a lucky dip. (laughs) And you have to do it with whatever you're getting. I'd love to see Farah do 10,000 metres in a K-hole. That'd be great. Oh, no. Oh, what a surprise. The Kenyan has got the ketamine. Well, he's been working so hard for this. That's such a shame. And the winner of the 800 metres at the Tokyo Olympics is Mrs McGinty, aged 86 from Shrewsbury, who got five huge bags of crack. I mean, you laugh, Mark, but now you've got me interested in sport. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think that, I, this many years ago I had this thought, but when they have all of these campaigns about drugs, you just say no and the war against drugs and all this, don't do it. It makes your life a misery and all of that. Well, it does if you become a heroin addict. Of course it mm. does. But most people take drugs because it's fun. Mm. You don't have to have a campaign to say, stop putting your bare ass in a nest of wasps. <laughs> Just stop doing it. It just, you get all stings up the anus. You don't have to have that on billboards and people say that. Because no one does it because it's not fun. No. Well, it's, I mean, the whole sort of anti-drugs thing, it doesn't work because, like you say, people will do it because it's fun. It's in the same way that telling people not to drink doesn't work, telling people abstinence yeah. of any sort of something that's fun doesn't work. But the approaches they do try don't work either. I remember seeing a drugs leaflet thing once that somebody gave me and one of the things it said on it was that 
most heroin users start their drugs journey with cannabis. And I was like, yeah. what, what a co- who's jumping straight in at the heroin? Like, of course it does. <laughs> I've never been at a party and there's a spliff going round. You're like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly. What's that, a needle? Go on then, yeah, I'll give that a go. Like, that's never happened. Starting your drugs journey with heroin would be like losing your virginity to Russell Brand. Like, you don't start at the... And, and this idea that cannabis is a gateway drug to other things. Obviously, people that do heroin started on cannabis. It doesn't mean if you do cannabis, you end up in heroin. For example, everyone that's obese probably started with Farley's rusks. But it doesn't mean that led to obesity. <laughs> you know, not everyone who has Farley's rusks as a baby. It's, it's this whole idea of it being a sort of a linear thing that you can't avoid is bullshit. Exactly. And where that's ended up with now is a, <laughs> was a sprinter, because that's just about a mad morals of a country that hasn't always been quite as ethical as it might be. <laughs> and part of its morals is that you banned from sprinting when uh, really, really they should be get, if they In fact, if she can even complete 100 metres in a day after a big bag of hash oil or something. Yeah. You yeah. should get extra, shouldn't you? Yeah, she'd be rewarded that she could. She's still a medal contender, stoned. Like that's got to be the best athlete there's ever been, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. I, th- I love your idea. I think we should have that—a big bag of drugs. If you just take, <laughs> you've just got to take one, whatever it is. It could be steroids. It could be barbiturates. It's a or lucky it, it Could just be, could be milk or magnesia. <laughs> <laughs> just like I didn't win the race but my indigestion's cleared up <laughs> yeah exactly now here's something that I noticed that you have uh, commented on this and I can mm. understand why yeah. so the very much loved once erstwhile very much loved I can honestly say that on comedic grounds I was never a, that big a fan mm. but now other things have superseded that Bill Cosby has been mm. let out of jail. So Bill Cosby was a very high-profile chap who was convicted of uh, having drugged and sexually assaulted a woman and then there were 60 other women that, had, that he was supposed to have done this to as well who said that he'd done that to. And now he's been let out on a technicality. Now, mm. this is, um, if you were sort of of an optimistic nature, about two, three years ago when the Me Too campaign was going on, you might have thought... Oh, things are taking a turn for the better then. In which case, this would be a bit of a surprise. It's it's so hard to talk about this one because this is, you know... You, what I admire about you, Mark Steele, is you take your anger and you turn it into something hilarious, right? And you're really good at funny anger. And I find it really hard when I'm angry to be funny. Like, I find that really hard when something's genuinely made me angry. Some things are easy to do when you're angry, like washing up or masturbating. That's easy. But being funny, <laughs> I find really... I can't really... do that angry. I can't do either of those things angry. Ah, oh, I have an angry wank. It's the best, honestly. Ah, <laughs> oh, it makes you feel so much better. But... But this is just, like, it's once again, it's, and I did a tweet along these lines, in the same week that Britney's not free and Cosby is free, it's once again coercive, controlling men, their rights are more important than the rights of their victims. And we can say than their victims because we know with Cosby that he did it. You know, he admitted it in testimony. And the technicality is, from my understanding, is that the testimony he gave in which he admitted to assaulting the woman was given in a way that he was made to believe couldn't be used in court. So therefore, technically it was inadmissible in court, and so the conviction was overturned. 
that doesn't mean he didn't do it. <laughs> right? no. and I think there's a lot of people on Twitter fundamentally not understand it. I mean, he's talking about he's already talking about making um, appearances in comedy clubs and things. And I just think, well, OK, look, if you're a comedy promoter in the US and you are sick of having to put women on the bill, fine. But Cosby, because I tell you what, they'll stay the fuck away if you do. <laughs> You know, it's just the whole... I think that's unlikely that he's going to make much of a comeback, isn't it? Well, who, <laughs> you know, I would think that, Mark, but then look at the world we're in, yeah. you know? And I just think, yes, there'll be an audience who want to see Bill Cosby. Yes, there'll be people who will go to the shows. Yes, they'll probably sell out because there are enough people, particularly in America, who will buy into that. With sardonic little mild observations about slopping out. Oh, God. Oh, God. I, I just I find the whole thing... I mean, there's this whole narrative as well that the women... I mean, there's 60 women that have come forward, you know, and there's people giving it all the... Oh, they're doing it for attention, for fame. And I just... I have never met a woman, you know, with ambitions for fame who that's what they want to be famous for, for being a victim of sexual assault. What madness is that? And also, can you name a single one of the women? You no, can't. No, I know. I think that right? is quite strange So they're not famous, argument. are they? So it's bullshit. Yeah, at least I made something of myself. I got myself drugged by an international superstar and named in court. You know, and, and yeah. the thing is, no one can name the women. So that argument makes no sense at all. And the fact that these women have come forward against such a powerful man, and let's be honest, it's difficult speaking out against people in power. I mean, I have no no doubt he's a was a really powerful man with lots of money. And speaking out against people like that is really frightening. And especially if, you know, he had production companies, he was an executive producer of the shows he worked on, all those things. So he is the person who is also your route to complaint, right? It, the buck would always stop with him. So it's a lot to do with self-preservation, to not come forward. I think if you're like a prisoner in Shawshank, you're not going to be that honest are you on the feedback forms about what the food was like because no, you know where no. that's going do you know what I mean like you you can't complain to your abuser about your abuser this is why people in power get away with it yeah, yeah, yeah. but you just go how many more of these guys are there you know I don't think it is just Cosby, Savile and Weinstein I think it's a fuckload of them that have got away with it because they could because they could yes Mm. All yeah, right, anyway, thank yeah. you very much, Angela. Thank you. Oh, no, I should... Oh, no, I forgot. We're, oh. This is professional, isn't it? Yeah. Thank <laughs> you very much for... <laughs> forgot. But we were just around... We just had a lovely chat yours. with Mark. <laughs> yeah. Nice. This is what... Yeah, as soon everyone will just have a 24-hour podcast and this is what people will be listening to, just comics. <laughs> well, I'm sure there are people who think all comics live in just one giant house. <laughs> Where's Eddie Izzard? He's doing the washing up. He's angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he's masturbating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he has a marathon wank. 59 in 59 days. Marathon wank. <laughs> Fucking furious. <laughs> God, don't go in there. He's doing it for Nelson Mandela, apparently. Thank you so much for helping us find out what the fuck is going on. Angela Barnes! Thank you, Mark. It's been a joy. What the fuck is going on? Now, I received a message on Twitter from one listener to this podcast from someone called Thomas Oof. So, hello, Thomas. Thanks for sending the message. And Thomas asked me, what the fuck is going on with the Labour Party? Which is a brilliant question, and we're going to be addressing that very soon 
on this podcast. But for now, we're lucky to be able to consult someone who has just fought a by-election against the Labour Party in Batley and Spen, George Galloway. Let me put it to you, Keir Stammer. Your claim of victory in the by-election serves only to illustrate the numerological illiteracy that accompanies your traitorous viscosity. I received 8,264 votes, which you claim is less than the figure of 13,296 received by your pusillanimous Labour Party. As any cursory glance at history will demonstrate, the number 8,264 has been systematically oppressed and deprived of its innate right to be a bigger number than 13,296. That, Keir Starmer, is why I am the new Member of Parliament for Batley and Spen and Chair of the Intergalactic Space Federation. England are in the semi-final of the Euros. So now the first item every night on the news is the Euros. There's going to be a repair shop penalty shootout special. Songs of praise will go... Now let's join together and sing hymn number 354. The referees are wanker. But there's been even more excitement than you would expect because some England fans, real England fans, have been complaining about England taking the knee in support of Black Lives Matter because Black Lives Matter, they say, is Marxist. Now it's lucky they've spotted this that when he's on one knee, Harry Kane is thinking, uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, secretly, uh, we're doing this to promote the cause of the toiling masses, uh, overthrowing the, the ruling capitalist order uh, in favour of what's uh, much more communal and egalitarian economic system of uh, production. Now, what gives it away is that television companies have been supporting the Black Lives Matter campaign and there's no bigger supporter of Marxism than Sky Sports. So I expect soon some fans will start booing because they favour a more gradual approach towards social reform, chanting It's been too long, it's fear is wrong, Cormorch is a wanker! It's lucky that the England fans haven't rumbled this Marxist plot, otherwise the commentators would be gasping Garrett Southgate has surprised many of us with his formation, opting for four at the back with the midfield turned into a collective farm commonly owned by the peasantry, and up front, as expected, Raheem Stalin. And then a change in the format will be announced in which all the goals are shared out equally, so every game ends in a draw. As some England fans explain why they have been planning to boo their own players, saying, I support England, right? Because I love my country and I hate traitors. Well, don't cheer our boys, right? I love this country so much, right? I tattooed my koi cart with the face of John Terry, right? And I had a blood transfusion. So all my white blood cells are on the outside and then my red blood cells are in the middle in the shape of a cross, right? So when I cut myself, I bleed the St George's cross, don't I? Because I love my country. 
right? And if I call anyone booing England, I boo them. Because I hate people who slag off England, like people who do that Black Lives Matter thing on their knee and all that, and Marcus Rashford whining on about the poor, and Gareth Southgate with all his diversity bollocks, right? Because I love my country, which is why I hate traitors who cheer for our boys, right? So I'll boo England all day long. I hope we lose to everyone, because I hate everything in England, because I love my country. Another complaint made about taking the knee and the gesture is that there has been violence reported at some of the thousands of Black Lives Matter events around the world. So if you kneel in support of Black Lives Matter, you are supporting any violence that has happened ever at a Black Lives Matter protest anywhere in the world. In the same way, if you sing the national anthem, you'll be supporting anyone who has ever sung it, including Oswald Mosley, and Reggie Cray and Noel Edmonds. Now, it's to be admired that people have found ways to object to the words Black Lives Matter. You might think this would be an uncontroversial statement, but they found ways to scream about it. We should try with other statements that seem uncontroversial, such as water is wet, and see if they scream, that's disgraceful. Why don't you mention other liquids? All fluids are wet. What about ginger beer? and squirrel urine, and some water, like the sea in the Bermuda Triangle, is anti-boat. The Conservative MP for Ashfield announced he would boycott the England Games in protest at the knee gesture, and this is a major blow for the players, as it has been his support that has kept them going these last few years. From Paul Scholes to Mason Mount, knowing that the Conservative MP for Ashfield was listening to the commentary in his car was all that drove them on. But he must be so proud of being one more figure who's showing his support for England by refusing to support England. So this does suggest a solution. The people booing England over this issue clearly love England, but they love an England that doesn't exist. Whereas the players and the manager and the majority of supporters who wouldn't boo support a different England that does exist. So England should be allowed to field two teams, one that the booing people can support that exists only in the imaginations of the permanently embittered and they can play anywhere they like and a real England made up of actual people who can play on the grass for everyone else. Here's a thing that's happened this week that happens at least once a year in this country when a statue goes up and Everybody moans about it every single time that it's wrong and it should be a different shape and it doesn't look anything like the person it's supposed to be. And this week, one's gone up of Diana and the phone-ins are just full of people like this. It's disgusting, Jeremy. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. It looks nothing like Diana. In fact, it's a blessing she's dead so she doesn't have to see it. I thought it was supposed to be Claire Balding. And who are those kids with her? One of them's got an afro. Well, that can't be William. And the other one's a girl. And why is she wearing shoes? She hated shoes because they reminded her of Camilla. It's always been the same, Jeremy. My nan told me when they put up Nelson's column, it was nothing like him. He's not 80 foot high and he hated pigeon shit. So why'd they put all that all over him, eh? He's lost an eye for us. Mind you, that's a blessing as he could only see the statue in 2D. And look at that one of Jesus in Brazil. Never even went to Brazil. Looks more like Greg Wallace off MasterChef. I'm sick of it, Jeremy. I'm, I'm sick of it. Sick of it.
Now, to help me find out what the fuck is going on with the younger generation, luckily for that purposes, I've bred one. So, Elliot Steele. Now, the flag, the English-British flag, no one in my generation knows what you're supposed to do with it. When I was your age, we didn't wave the flag. Nobody did, except far-right people. And then it became all right. Everybody was waving it. And then it was the St George's flag. And now Boris Johnson walks over one. What are we supposed to do with it? What do you do with a flag? Good thing, bad thing. I, I just don't let it affect my day. <laughs> I just really think anyone who's getting upset over a flag because there isn't one or there is one, it's just pathetic. Right. Like, well, it's a, it's a flag. Yeah. Why are people surprised Boris Johnson was stood out by an English flag before England played Ukraine in the country he's prime minister of? If he was there with the Dementes People's Republic flag, that would have been like, all right, that's a bit of a cause for concern. But no, he just had the English flag. It's just, it's an English flag. Like, I'm not going, oh, we should have one on every street and we should all do this. But the same way, if I see one outside someone's house, all right, a bit of me goes, they've probably got a dangerous dog. But I don't I don't go like, oh, my God, stay away from there. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's peculiar because there is, you're right, there is that, like, right-wing rhetoric of we should be proud of the flag. And and then it, but it, it's not about being proud of the flag. It's about then denying the history of Britain and going, like, we should be proud of our history and colonialism and all of these things, which I think is wrong. But it's not really about the flag. It's about denying the history of Britain. That's what comes into that. And then the other side, you've got these bubble-wrapped left-wing people who go like, oh, my God, imagine just loving a flag that much. And then they'll have a rainbow flag in their Twitter bio. So it's like, well, you love a flag loads as well. Like, it's just you're the same as them. You're both the same person. Just have the flag or don't have the flag. We don't. It's just boring to have this conversation, I think. They get very, very upset, some people, about flags, even though it's disgusting in a flag. And you go, yeah, but he's eight years old and he's sort of been following England in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, if, if my son did that, that's why kids should be put into social services. It does reek of classism a little bit. Like, I... Well, when we played Croatia, I had an England flag tied around me. I wasn't there denying the history. I was just hoping England beat the team we're facing. And one way to represent that team is very easy because they have a flag. Yeah, but you were also clearly supporting the massacre at Amritsar in the 1920s of the British Army against the Sikhs. Well, that goes without saying, and I will continue to support it. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. But but until I have all the facts, I can't make a judgment on either part. But where do you stand on it? Because I, I, I do get what you're saying. It's weird that the flag is... It's just weird to have a thing be so divisive that's just... It's different. See, what I'm saying is, for my generation, it's slightly different because... 30 years ago, maybe or certainly 40 years ago, if you waved a Union Jack, as it was then, before the St George's flag became in vogue, if you waved a Union Jack then, that was really a sort of... Nobody did that unless it was for a sort of conservative reason. The Conservative Party did it. The National Front did it. Nobody else really did it. So at that point, if you saw someone waving a Union Jack, then it was like, oh, blimey, what's up with them? And then it changed. And then, of course, but so a lot of people on the left sort of don't like change, do they? So they still think it's the same, you know. But then what, what about when it's at the Olympics, when Mo Farah has just like won a gold medal and it's in London and everyone's waving the Union flag? Is that because they're in support 
of the National Front or they're in support of Mo Farah. That's what I mean. It reeks of this, like, because my generation, genuinely, I, I cannot express how little people care. <laughs> like, I cannot express... There'll be a few people my age who've gone to university and they still think that they matter, that their opinion is important, because my generation does that a lot. Yeah, but your opinion is important. Is it... Is it though? Is then it's just like you know, like my generation are very good at campaigning for things at the moment, but like in an annoying way. Like we don't really campaign for anything good. It's not like we're campaigning to stop starving kids. It's like we're trying to get a word removed from something. From well, we're trying to get oh, there's a film from the fifties that's a bit problematic. We need to get that taken out. But that's what. But isn't that social media? Most people don't really buy. I mean, that's like with the poppies people. Why isn't there a poppy? There was a programme on the television last night, just three weeks before poppy day, and five of the people weren't wearing the poppies. And the fact that it was a repeat of Star Trek from 1978, they should paint poppies onto spot. <laughs> but yeah, but it's exactly like that. But like, it then switches, doesn't it? So that, that minority of people who are lunatics start saying that about poppies. And then what happens is it will switch part way through the year. So then like six months later, there'll be something that the left wing people feel like isn't being represented on TV. So they start kicking off that there isn't enough transsexual ferrets in this episode of something. It's just this thing. And I feel like, it's 2% of people on either side. But that'll be on March the 9th, which is Transsexual Ferret Day. Mm, thank God it's happening. But the, it just happens. So it's, it's like the flag thing. It's like England flag. If you want to wave one because England are facing a football team, that's a perfectly fine reason. If you just want to have one outside of your house, and as long as you're not doing that, I think it's weird when you do that aggressive lot, because we're English. We did it, you know, that sort of thing. You do it, it's a bit peculiar. I think it's a bit yeah. sad. Yeah, there's those people. But then, see, I think it's gone down because about 10 years ago, there was a bit of that during a football mm. tournament. What have you got a flag? What's the matter with it if you had a flag? Yeah. What is it? It should be bigger. It should cover the whole of your windscreen so that you run people over whenever you go out because you can't see because all you can see is a flag and you should have had a flag tattooed on your eyes. But no, yeah. you traitor. So there was a bit of that. But now it's a team with like Marcus Rashford in it, who is yes. trying to like feed children and educate people. And they take the knee and the captain wears an armband with the LGBT colours yes. on it, which is great. That's really good. Oh, that's, I think that's explained to anybody listening what the fuck is going on with the British flag and nationalism. It's funny, it was so easy to sort out. It's caused so much trouble over the years, but it was quite simple in the end. Yeah. Right, thank you very much, Elliot Steele, for explaining what the fuck is going on. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with, then please send me a message on Twitter, at Mr. Mark Steele, and we will do our best to look at all the messages that you send, and we'll reply to you in the programme. What the Fuck Is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Angela Barnes and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinowicz, and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Downing. It was produced and edited by Scott Matt of Podmonkey. What the fuck is going on is a co-production between Podmonkey and Concept Industries. <laughs>